trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. Uh, I've been looking forward to uh, getting behind the microphone today. There's been a lot going on over the weekend. And I'm going to get to that in just a couple of moments. Our sponsors for the show include Monticello College, LifesavingFood.com, and the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. I appreciate each and every one of these sponsors, and I hope that you'll take the time to get better acquainted with them. I'll tell you this. For LifesavingFood.com, you mention that you came to them, and when you make your purchase, you use the coupon code HYDE, H-Y-D-E. They'll take 10% off your purchase price. That is a killer deal, and I don't think there's ever been a better time to make sure that uh, you are uh, fully stocked on the things that you're going to need, like food and other, you know, essential supplies. Again, that's lifesavingfood.com. So, let's talk a little bit about what uh, what took place over this weekend. Two things in particular that I would guess are affecting a good portion of my listening audience. One of them has to do with the Department of Homeland Security uh, beginning its pre-20th anniversary of 9-11, wallow in victimhood and sympathy. Now, if that sounds harsh, please understand. There are people who would take what happened 20 years ago on September 11th and manipulate it to their own ends. Government would be one of those (laughs) entities that would do this. So the Department of Homeland Security came out with an updated terror watch briefing. Basically, these are the things that we're looking at. These are the things that concern us. And I think a lot of us were maybe not terribly surprised, but still just a little bit, uh, oh, really, to find that uh, among the indicators of potential terrorism, resistance to COVID restrictions or resistance to various COVID policies. Yeah, apparently that is... Uh, That's the genesis for a threat of violent extremism. And it's something that the U.S. government is very seriously looking at and taking steps to prevent. And, you know, it starts with they're talking about ways to clamp down on misinformation to, in some cases, preempt it before it can get out there. How exactly do you do that? I'm uh, I'm not being facetious when I ask this, but it sounds to me like you're going to have to silence people who have a differing point of view. See, what else? What were the other indicators? Oh, they called it grievance-based violence. Which I, I suppose means if, if government sticks its foot into your life, puts it on the back of your neck, and you have some kind of a grievance about that, well, that makes you a domestic extremist. That makes you a terrorist. And it's very important to understand when they use the word terror in conjunction with with this official policy and this official, you know, look out, here's what we're watching. Just remember that 20 years ago, following the September 11th attacks, thanks to the Patriot Act and other things that followed it, like the, uh, uh, what was it, the, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the the authorization for military force and um, the, there, there are a couple of different funding bills that always seem to contain the language of, oh, by the way, we can kill anyone, anytime, anywhere on the planet, this is the government speaking, if they're accused 
of being part of a terror organization. See how good that is to just have a word that's not clearly defined, but can be ever expanded to include anybody who, for whatever reason, doesn't agree with you. Yeah, it's it's pretty chilling. See, they talked about uh, religious considerations. There may be people who have religious considerations. And, of course, the anniversary of 9-11, which apparently is supposed to be some kind of a trigger for some people. You know, uh, the Manchurian candidates among us are, are going to, you know, receive their hypnotic orders and, you know, go do terrible things on September 11th. Just remember, all of this posturing, all of this melodrama about, oh, the threat of, you know, extremist terror is based in one thing, and that is to try to marginalize and try to separate anybody from so-called polite society who has a problem with some of the things that are being done by our government. And I will also remind you, no one in the history of humankind, nothing in the history of humankind has killed with the kind of abandon as governments that stopped recognizing any limit on their power. I mean, I bring up the word genocide. Some people flinch. Don't do that. That's a that's a terrible word. That's that's something that, uh, you know, people should never talk about. Well, maybe we should talk about it. Because it's genocides only happen. When a targeted population is identified, isolated, disarmed, keep that in mind when the gun control, you know, measures start being marched out and then eventually moved against with direct action. It's a really predictable pattern. We've seen it particularly in the last century to the tune of probably 200 million or more people murdered by government. So be careful. People are trying to make you afraid. People are trying to to tell you that, uh, yes, you are dangerous. Why? Because you won't agree with me and you won't do what I'm telling you. That's pretty convenient, isn't it? So the second thing that happened And this is the LDS Church came out with a press release from the first presidency of their church, whom their members see as prophets, like legitimate prophets of God. And it very strongly urged members to get vaccine, to get the vaccine, and also to wear masks in any setting, public meeting, that is, where uh, social distancing is not possible. And, yeah, there was a lot of commentary on social media. A lot of people, uh, wow, what is this all about? And, you know, it's, it's to me, the, the, the fact that, uh, that the first presidency of the Mormon church would, would put out such a press release isn't that surprising. I mean, they're considered a fairly influential organization, particularly in the Intermountain West. But it is disheartening to see the divide that was already there among Latter-day Saints over masks, over vaccines has just been intensified. I mean, this is five gallons of gas on a campfire intensification of, well, see, the righteous thing to do is to get that to vaccine and to, to wear the mask no matter what. And, and I'll admit for people like me, that's, that's a problem. Because I, I, I don't feel that the government is operating in my best interest as it's mandating those things. And the question on my mind, I'm not going to go deep into this because I, I don't want to undermine anybody's faith. But one of the questions that has, has been on my mind since that press release has to do with, were LDS church officials approached 
by government officials and asked or told, for that matter, we need you to do this. We need you to make this a priority and tell your members to get the vaccine and to mask up. And that's all I'm doing. It's just asking the question, did that happen? Because if it did, I think that would have some pretty significant uh, impact on why such a press release was done and, and what the ultimate goal is. And if I can just throw this last little, you know, put my card on the table here and just let you know, um, to me, what it appears is that it appears the leadership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is doing everything in its power right now to demonstrate to not just the U.S. government, but governments all over the world, because it is, after all, a worldwide church, that they are not a threat to those in power. And that's only my opinion. You, you don't have to accept it, but that's, that's the impression that I get. And in some cases, I can say, well, I, I sort of understand what they're doing. If they want to keep their missionary efforts going, if they want to keep their temples open, if they want to be able to function as normally as possible for as long as possible, that may be something that, uh, that strategically makes sense. But the bottom line here is a lot of people are feeling very demoralized right now because they're feeling like, well, my goodness, you know, it, it looked like it looked like we were on the cusp of returning to some degree of normalcy or normalcy. Rather, we just we 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 were just getting used to being able to go to the store without seeing everybody masked up and without everybody getting suspicious and the fearful eyes and the Karens coming out to get after you if you didn't have your mask properly over your nose and stuff like this. I think we just took a giant step in the opposite direction. And I'm not laying that at the feet of LDS church officials so much as I'm, I'm putting it at the feet of, of government officials and people who are driven by fear or driven by the need to control other people. So I've got some commentaries I'm going to share with you when we come back here in just a few moments. We're going to talk about why some people support tyranny, why some people defy it. We'll talk about uh, how if you're feeling demoralized here lately, how to separate yourself from the things that are demoralizing you. We'll talk about why when it comes to good medical care, second opinions are essential. And we'll talk about lockdowns, masks, and the illusion of government control over COVID. Stay with us. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's dive right in. First thing I want to start out with is uh, a little thought about demoralization. Because I have talked to some folks over the weekend. In fact, my phone was blowing up Friday afternoon with people who are feeling an intense amount of demoralization. Wondering, oh my goodness, am I defying my church leaders? Why is government considering me a terrorist? And, and I have to admit it, it does feel like the, the difficulty level on life got dialed up a bit. And I believe it was Saturday. I logged on to lewrockwell.com and there was the latest column from Alan Stevo. And I like a lot of what Alan has to say. This one is titled, There Are Serpents Among Us. 
And I want you to, if you're, if you're feeling discouraged, I want you to hear what he has to say and consider the remedy that he offers here. He says, there are some among us who act to bring ruin. There are some among us who act to bring destruction. There are some among us who act to demoralize. And he says, do not take them at their word. Do not take their actions for genuine. Do not assume them sincere. Do not presume them to hold your shared values. There are people among us who would destroy everything you treasure in one fell swoop if such power were allowed them. Your child, your home, your marriage, your land. And he gets into some specifics here. Your child they would mask and enslave, pump with chemicals, and enfeeble. Your home they would monitor and invade, leaving no moment of solace, no place to call your own, to do with as you see fit. Your marriage they would attack from 40 different directions. Your land they would deny life-giving water. They would number and tax the rain and collect that which fell. They would prevent you the use of your seed. They would sow your land with salt if they could do so today, knowing that in a century it would be in their hands or the hands of others like them. They would fill your air with poisons meant to confuse and words meant to do the same. He says the demoralization of the land around you is near complete. To rob a people of their morality. To rob a people of that which gives them foundation. To rob a people of that upon which their morale exists. To rob a people of wisdom and understanding. To rob a people of that which they need to persevere through times difficult. And Alan Stevo says, he who would deny you that, no matter his stated intent, no matter his claims to sincerity, he who would deny you that prepares you for takeover by the enemy. He who demoralizes you must be avoided at all cost. He has no place in the life of a warrior at a time like this. But he says, the antidote is among us. The antidote is the antidote to demoralization is moralization or even hypermoralization by which he means to make yourself as decent and upright as quickly and as thoroughly as you can. To make yourself as obedient to your values as promptly as you can. To part with indecency as suddenly as you can. To enter into a life of diligence as thoroughly as you can. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment and just ask you, does that, uh, does that ring true? Because this is something that has been on my mind. What he's describing here is something that has been going through my mind for about the last year and a half. As we watch things spiral out of control and all the COVID lockdowns and everything come into play. And over and over, on a daily basis, I ask myself, what must I be doing? What's the best thing that I can be doing right now? More often than not, the answer has always come back, be the best person that you can be. And it's exactly like he's describing. Alan Stevo says, perfection is not needed of you, but an unceasing pursuit of excellence is. Now he says, you were brought up by a slothful and frivolous generation, raised into a slothful and frivolous society, brought up even in a church perhaps, a church slothful and frivolous. Your hypermoralization is sure to be a thing extreme to you or those around you. Seen from a distance of time and place, your hypermoralization might be seen as a laughably minor change to those who've never had to endure the demoralization of a great people that you've had to endure. He says your efforts at hypermoralization will be laughable to those who know better, to those who never turned astray. 
But what may seem extreme to you will be but a step in the right direction to those already headed that way. And he says, do not be discouraged by that. Alan Stevo says, there is a way out of this. It begins in your life. It begins in your home. It begins on your land, and it begins in your family. It begins with you. And so he says, separate yourself from all that demoralizes you. Unite yourself with all that moralizes. Be emboldened. Seek wisdom. Make the goal of your life to live each moment more upright, more diligent than the last. And I like this line. You are promised nothing but this moment. You control no one but yourself. But Alan Stevo says, in that you have such awesome power to, in this moment, make the most amazing decisions with that life that you have total control over. Make the most excellent decision with that which is given to you and in the time given to you. And if you're given another moment, then make the most excellent decision with that next moment given to you. Put one step after another, just like that, one excellent moment after another, one decision in support of excellence after the next. Focusing on on this very moment in which you live. Do that repeatedly with obedience to your values and integrity, and you will encourage and inspire all around you. And you'll inspire yourself, too. By your very decisions, you will separate out and chase away those who do not want that. And he says, fear not. Do that over and over again, and you will, before much time passes, be in the midst of a revival around you that once looked impossible in our darkest days. In fact, he says, do that, and we escape those darkest days. Do that, and we write the course. Do that, and we will even one day right the wrongs. Focus on the one thing you are able to affect most truly, yourself and the moment you live in. Live it as upright as you can, and there will be no ability for anything but you and yours to thrive in the face of even the greatest adversity. Makes me think of a a message I received from a friend over the weekend. And I, some of this I, I really can't share because it's, it's, it's fairly personal, but he made a comment that has just resonated with me because he talks about how things are different. And if you think back to how comfortable we were two years ago, I mean, not everything was perfect, right? We still had strife. We still had intrigue. There was division. I mean, come on, we were coming up on the big election and everything. And so there was still a fair amount of drama taking place. And then everything changed. And everything has been very different for the last year and a half. And as someone who has lived most of his life in the comfort zone, I will be the first to admit that is really where I prefer to be is in the comfort zone. It's comfortable there. There's routine. There are things that don't surprise me pleasantly or unpleasantly. I just, I like to know that things are going to be predictable and I, you know, can handle whatever's coming at me. And I've not felt that comfort zone for the better part of the last year and a half. And I'm not just talking about the, um, you know, the, the various COVID restrictions and things like that. I mean, this has extended into my professional life. It's extended even into family life. Everything changes. Everything is different. And it's, it's somewhat uncomfortable. But things are going to be different. And the sooner we get our heads around this, this, is, this was my friend's message, the sooner we get our heads around the idea that things are going to be different, that return to normal that we're all kind of secretly hoping for, it's not going to come, or at least it's not going to come for a long time. 
So we need to get used to things being different. One of the things that Alan Stevo points out is if you are seriously striving to be the best person you can be, it makes that being in a place where it's different not only tolerable, but actually purposeful. And if you're a person who uh, has faith, well, this is one of the things that uh, you can, can take to the bank. If you are at peace with your conscience, if you are in harmony with your creator, there's a sense of comfort that comes even in those times that are very different from what you hoped would be. That's not going to make sense to everybody, but for the ones who it does make sense to, it's good to be reminded of that. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. By the way, the Alan Stevo commentary I shared in the last segment is in the show notes. And I would encourage you to check out those show notes at the BrianHydeShow.com. Website just got a nice little makeover and it looks marvelous. So I would encourage you, make good use of the resources for wrong thinkers. Spend a little time with my sponsors, like the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. If you are looking to buy a home, First of all, especially if you're doing this in the Intermountain West and particularly in the great state of Utah, you are going to find that it's a very, very competitive market. Homes don't stay on the market very long. That means your financing has to be absolutely squared away in order. And the good news is the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage can help you quickly get the loan you need at the best rates possible. VA loans, traditional loans, reverse mortgages. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386. Call her at 435-703-4522 or visit her office at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George. So here's a question for you. Why do some people support tyranny and others defy it? We see the division getting really, really clear, but we very seldom stop and ask the question, why do people embrace these uh, viewpoints? Brandon Smith has a great article, a fascinating take on what motivates some individuals to seek control over the people around them and others to simply seek to be left alone. He says there's a fundamental question that haunts the pages of history, and it's one that has never been addressed in a satisfactory manner. There are many schools of thought on why and how tyranny arises in any given society, and all of them miss the mark in terms of explanations, primarily because they allow their biases to rule their conclusions and blind them to the deeper aspects of power and conspiracy. In other words, they are willing to go down the rabbit hole only so far, and then they deny that the rabbit hole even exists. Brandon Smith says the common assumption when it comes to autocracy or oligarchy is that the people are stupid or that people are stupid rather and easily manipulated into following compelling personalities that make promises they never intend to keep. But he says that's a foolish oversimplification. In truth, the level of manipulation needed to lure a majority of people into dictatorship is so complex that it requires an advanced understanding of human psychology. In our modern era, people cannot merely be ordered to submit at gunpoint, at least not right away. They have to be tricked into conforming, and not only that, but they must be made to think that it was their idea all along. 
Now, without this dynamic of self-censorship and self-enslavement, the population will eventually rebel. No matter how oppressive the regime, a thousand-year tyranny cannot exist unless a number of people are conned into applauding it, or they directly benefit from it. And this is where we find the true key to totalitarianism. It only thrives because there is an inherent portion of any given society that secretly loves it and wants it to exist. Now, we might call these people useful idiots, but it's much more than that. They are not necessarily unaware of what they're doing. They understand to some extent that they're helping in the destruction of other people's freedoms, and they revel in it. Sure, there are elitists and globalists that levy core conspiracies and seek out more and more control, but they could not accomplish much of anything without the aid of the army of sociopathic aberrations that live among us. Brandon Smith says this strange and destructive characteristic is ever visible today in light of the COVID lockdowns and the push for forced vaccinations. It is clear that there are some people out there that are overly concerned with the personal health decisions of everyone else. The science and the stats prove there is nothing for them to worry about from the virus, but they ignore the science. They thirst for the taste of power. They become a cult which ignores all logic and demands fealty to their fraudulent narrative. They do not care about the facts. They only care that we comply. And as he has said time and time again, we will not comply. And so begins this epic conflict, a tale as old as civilization itself. There are two types of people in this world, those that want to control others and those that want to be left alone. But what motivates the control freaks? Why are they the way they are? And so he says, let's examine some of the causes. He starts with the fear engine. There are people that are driven by success, by merit, by hope, by prosperity, by faith, by optimism, by love, and by honor. And then there are people driven by fear. Now, there are hundreds of various fears, but just a few ways to react to any of them. Collectivists respond to fear with a desperate need to micromanage their environment. They believe that if they can dictate people and events to a certain degree, they can eliminate unexpected outcomes and be free of fear. But life does not work out this way, and it never will. He says the influence of these people, or the influence that these people seek, is so far beyond them that it can never be attained. That is to say, they will never be satisfied until they get more. Their fears will always haunt them because fears cannot be dealt with from without. They can only be dealt with from within. Furthermore, he says, the things they fear often resolve or revolve around their own narcissism and are of their own making. So they fear failure, but they rarely work hard enough to succeed. They fear exposure, but only because they constantly lie. They fear conflict, but only because they are weak in body and character. They fear death because they believe in nothing greater than themselves. They clamor for dominance of their surroundings because they wrongly believe they can cheat fate and the consequences of their own terrible choices. Then there's also the safety of the mob. This issue of fear extends into the common mindset of the totalitarian and how they find safety. The idea of standing on their own two feet and standing by their principles in the face of opposition is completely abhorrent to them. They avoid these situations at any cost. The notion of risk is foreign to them, so instead they look for a mob to blend into. This makes them feel safe in obscurity while also wielding force through collectivist action, so they can feel powerful while at the same time being pitiful and weak. 
Now, these people almost always operate through large, single-minded groups that punish any dissension in the ranks, usually with gatekeepers that moderate the motivations of the hive. The mob itself is a weapon. Its only purpose beyond the comfort of its adherents is to destroy those people that do not hold the same beliefs or values as the controllers. There is no defensive purpose to the mob. It is an assassin's tool. It is a nuclear bomb, as we've seen in every modern dictatorship from the Bolsheviks in Russia to the fascists in Germany to the communists in Mao's China. The totalitarian mob is capable of murdering more people than any nuclear weapon in existence in the name of the greater good of the greater number. Then you have the case of false piety in place of self-worth. Brandon Smith describes this as all tyrants believe themselves to be righteous in their cause, even when they know their actions are morally abhorrent. He says, I've seen this on display and bold display during the COVID mandates and the vaccine passports initiatives. Consider for a moment that 99.7% of the population is under no legitimate threat from the COVID virus. They will not die from it. And in the vast majority of cases, they will recover quickly from it. Yet the COVID cult consistently argues that people who refuse the mandates, the lockdowns, and the vaccines are putting others at risk, which is why we need to be forced to submit. Now, most of them know, according to the data, that COVID is not a threat. But the narrative gives them an opportunity to apply power through moral judgment. And so they lie. They continue to lie about the data until they think the lie will be accepted as reality. This is a common aspect of most cults and of fundamentalist religions that have gone astray. The habit of adherence to value lies over facts and evidence, not because they're trying to protect their faith, but because it affords them the chance to feel pious and superior to those they are determined to harm. Those who disagree are labeled heretics, the lowest of the low, the unwashed terrorists. The anti-mandate crowd is thus stripped of its humanity in this way and is painted as demonic. The people who want to remain free become monsters, and the totalitarian monsters become heroes out to save the world. As Robert Anton Wilson once said, the obedient always think of themselves as virtuous rather than cowardly. Now, I'm going to hit the brakes on this for now um, because we're coming up on our break here, but I want to just ask you to consider not so much who around me fits this description, but I'm going to ask you a little tougher question. To what extent do these kind of motivations exist in my own heart? Mm, that's a little bit different approach, isn't it? Rather than looking around for a foe to vanquish, uh, we got to look in the mirror and ask ourselves seriously if the foe that needs to be vanquished is residing right there in our own hearts. I've had some practice over the years, ever since a good friend of mine pointed out to me, yes, there's a little tyrant that lives right there in you. The same is with everyone else. Man, I did not want to believe that. I did not want to accept that for the longest time. But I've come to realize he's he's right. It's true. There is a little tyrant in my heart. And I have to be very vigilant that that tyrant isn't uh, informing my opinions or my actions. He needs to be relegated to a little dungeon also in my heart. (laughs) And not let out to play. It's a good practice. If you haven't tried it, I strongly recommend it. This is The Brian Hyde Show. 
This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Final segment for this hour. I'm sharing with you an article from Brandon Smith. Why do some people support tyranny while others defy it? I'm guessing which side of that equation you're going to come down on, but hey, it's it's always good to examine you know what's going on in our hearts and minds, and I think uh, Brandon Smith has got a great article here. He talks about how for some people who support tyranny, it comes down to the love of a cage. Now, he says, I feel as though I understand this mindset to an extent, but it never fails to shock me the way in which people scratch and scrape for power over others, and they also seem to love being slaves to the system. He says, I'm not sure that it's ironic as authoritarianism doesn't or does fulfill some of its promises of security as long as the people involved are willing to trade away any impulses of liberty. In other words, if you do as you're told at all times and serve the system without fail, then there's a good chance you'll be able to hold on to the meager necessities of survival. You will live a life, though probably not a happy one. He says, for those who go above and beyond and cast aside all personal principle in order to further the goals of the system, they might even enjoy a modicum of wealth beyond their peers. You see, in a despotic society, the people who are most without honor are the people that are most rewarded. They don't need merit or accomplishment or skills or even brains. All they have to do is sell their souls and do whatever it takes to catch the eye of the oligarchy. They don't even have to be good at anything. All they have to do is be evil, and for some people, that's easy. In this way, the system becomes a comfortable blanket that otherwise useless deviants can be swaddled in. They wrap themselves in it. They luxuriate in its warmth. They are not concerned with freedom because freedom feels cold to them. Freedom can be isolating, and the existence of choice is terrifying. When all your choices are made for you, there's never any doubt or internal stress. All that is required is that you wake up each day and obey. For weak and ignorant people, subservience is a gift instead of a curse. They believe that a cage is meant to be gilded, not escaped from. And anyone that seeks escape must be crazy or dangerous. If free people exist, then slaves are forced to question their own condition and their own compliance. So everyone must be enslaved to remove any and all doubt from society. The hive mind is placed above all else. Then you have the defiant and free. Brandon, Brandon Smith says, The little tyrants that infiltrate humanity probably look at liberty advocates as some kind of alien creatures from far beyond the bounds of their universe. They just can't fathom how it's possible for someone to defy the system, to stand against the mob or collective, even when they are outnumbered or when the risk is so high. They assume that it's a form of madness or a lack of intelligence, for how could anyone smart think they have a chance of fighting back against the dictatorship? But Brandon Smith says, Liberty people are individualists by nature, but we also care about the freedoms of others. There is a common propaganda narrative that claims individualists are selfish, but that's not the case at all. It's not enough for us alone to escape slavery. We will not stand by and watch others be forced into bondage either. We are willing to risk our lives not just to save ourselves, but to save future generations from autocracy. And as the vaccine passports and mandates continue to escalate, the totalitarians will find themselves even more bewildered. Because each new mechanism of control will result in a greater impetus for rebellion. For rebellion, rather, 
And frankly, at this point, it is going to be us or them. They will not not stop their pursuit of dominion, and we will not comply. So we're at an impasse. Our two tribes cannot coexist within the same society, maybe not even the same planet. Now, the truth is that if voluntarism was a valued ideal, then this whole fight could be avoided. If the collectivist cult was willing to accept the notion that they could that they can choose to live in a highly micromanaged environment while others can choose to live independently, there would be no crisis. We could easily go our separate ways, but that's not how totalitarians think. Because to them, all people are chattel. We are property to be staked down and re-educated until we see the light. And if we don't see the light, we are to be done away with and erased. And that is why they are utterly to blame for the war that is coming. They can't stop themselves from grasping for our throats and our minds. They're addicted to supremacy. They're living in a fever dream, and the only drug that cools their veins is the total oppression of everyone around them. Now, Brandon Smith says, I see what's coming next, and it's not pretty for either side, but it will be especially gruesome for the collectivists because they cannot imagine a scenario in which they lose. They are so certain of their preeminence and the safety of their self-imposed prisons that they will see failure as a phantom, a ghost that cannot touch them. It would only take a handful of minor defeats to bring them down, but this requires freedom advocates become more organized than they are. The bottom line is this. Tyrannical systems are planned by elitist groups and governments, and it is they that benefit most from the destruction of public freedoms. In fact, he comes right out and says, it is indeed a conspiracy. And the pandemic lockdowns and forced vaccine response are no exception. However, tyrannical systems could not be executed without the help of a larger psychopathic contingent of the population. And these people congregate together to make terrible things happen. It's as if they hear a silent dog whistle as totalitarianism rises, or they smell the blood of innocent victims in the air. Call them leftists, call them communists, call them collectivists, or call them whatever you want, but know that the globalists are not our only concern. There's a wall of self-absorbed, absorbed, power-hungry peons in the way, and they want whatever scraps they can get from the big boy's table. They're not oblivious. They've not been tricked into doing the things they do. They are a sad and pathetic bunch, but they are still dangerous in their ambitions, and they will continue to slither out of the woodwork as the COVID agenda progresses. And that's some pretty strong language. This is one of the things I do like about Brandon Smith, though. So here's the question for you and me. What do we get to do about it? What should we do about it? And of course, the the standard answer that I'm going to give you is, I can't tell you exactly what you should do. The only thing I can suggest is that uh, moral clarity is a must. I think back to the quote from uh, Harriet Tubman, and I don't know if this is a direct quote. I mean, I you know, this certainly sounds like something she would have said, um, but I, 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 can't, uh, I can't confirm that this is exactly as she said it. She is reported to have said something along the lines of, I helped thousands or maybe it was hundreds of slaves find freedom or she says i think i she says i helped hundreds of slaves find their way to freedom i could have helped thousands if i just could have convinced them they were slaves now she was talking about legit 
chattel slavery. People owned as property. Kept in chains in some instances, certainly mentally bound as, well, I'm a piece of property and, you know, that's all I can do. There's nothing I can really do about it. The thing that made the difference for those who realized I'm in a situation that I should not be in and there's something I can do about it and that meant escaping on the Underground Railroad to get away from slavery, they had moral clarity. It's the same thing that animated the the Founding Fathers in their quest to be independent from Great Britain. It wasn't so much that they were just like, you know what, I'm tired of paying taxes, and, well, we got these guns, and we got this ammo, and by gosh, we got the will, let's go out there and fight the king and his men, and we'll be free. No, they actually had a moral clarity that went far beyond just, uh, you know, we're tired of the king telling us what to do. They recognized, and they very clearly enumerated, I believe there are 27 different points that they go through in the Declaration of Independence, which clearly say, here are the grievances. Here are the things the king is doing to us. And in their mind, they stated the facts for a candid world and for the universe to examine that when a government becomes abusive of people, it is the right of the people to abolish or alter that government. It wasn't just because they were rowdy boys who liked to drink at the tavern and, you know, get their their uh, courage up and go out and fight with the, the king's troops. They had moral clarity that their natural rights, their God-given rights, were important enough to stand up for and to resist attempts to take those rights away from them. I'm glad they did. And I'm suggesting that... Uh, as Alan Stevo, you know, said earlier in his uh, in his piece earlier, we need that moral clarity, and it comes from you know, for if you're a believer, it comes from humbling yourself before God, finding what God's purpose is for you. He will show you. By the way, that's scary for some people because that means then they're committed. But if you're looking for moral clarity, I'm telling you, you are on the right path. Do not deviate. This is The Brian Hyde Show.